Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. And as we go into the quantum realm today, we will be be receiving a transmission of the Arcturian Merkaba frequencies with Gene Ang. This is an interesting subject, and Gene himself is so interesting and fascinating, as he has a PhD in neurobiology, and he is now a healer and a leader in this healing facility known as Arcturian Healing Frequencies. And what's interesting is more frequencies from higher beings are coming forth, and it really is fascinating to see how Gene is evolving with all of these frequencies that he's bringing forward. Let's welcome Gene Ang back to Quantum Conversations. Hi, Gene. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Lauren. Thanks. Uh, it's quite an honor to be back again and to be talking with everyone, the audience, and to be uh, interacting again with you with all the new things that are coming through. New things indeed. Let's take a quick cosmic energy moment and uh, catch up with each other. What have you been up to these past few weeks? You have been anchoring or receiving and transmitting from Mount Shasta, the Lemurian homeland there. What's the what's up with that and, and what have you witnessed coming through new with your frequencies? Yeah, so I usually hold um uh a retreat at Mount Shasta once a year. That tends to be a staple um and sort of a sacred site um tour and retreat. And the other one uh, being Sedona in Arizona. But in the last two weeks, uh, I was there with two different groups that I was um, facilitating uh, a retreat for called the uh, Seven Initiations of Melchizedek. And uh, the background, of course, was being held also by the Arcturian consciousness or being beings, but it also was bringing through the higher being of Melchizedek and the initiates or spiritual beings that are in resonance uh, with that great being, too. And um, 
sort of anchoring that in the total kind of divine land energy of Mount Shasta, which holds, you know, portals to many different uh, dimensions and, and an ease of connecting. So that was really a, quite a cosmic event there. Yes, and it was right around the Lion's Gate of 8-8, and you have returned since, or no, you were in the Mount Shasta area for the eclipse? Yeah, exactly. The There are two retreats um, which were held uh, basically back-to-back. They're about five days long. The first one actually was kicked off on the right um, after the Lion's Gate, so it started 8-9. Um, so people were already coming in on 8-8. So that was sort of the Lionsgate retreat. And then the, the second one was leading up to the eclipse. So it ended the, the day before the eclipse. Uh, so that was sort of like um, leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. So what did you notice about working with these energies? Did anything unusual come up during this time? Or what did you find people were clearing a little bit better or definitely having their things come up or was it just a a more clarity in the transmissions that you were offering yeah well um holding the back-to-back retreats was a first usually i just hold that one um five-day uh you know version so there seemed to be an energy um that was calling a lot of a lot more people during this time and Mm -hmm. none of those uh, yeah, which was interesting was none of those dates, the Lion's Gate as well as the solar eclipse was, um, at least in my, consciously in my mind, uh, when I planned them. I just always plan a retreat in August and it just happened to be sandwiched between these two cosmic events. So that was, um, a bit, um, I guess lucky synchronicity. Uh, so all this was kind of converging and coming together. But during the actual retreat, um, this is the eighth year that I've held it, so I've had some comparison. They're always, um, you know, very high-powered, high-frequency because of that particular area. But this um, series, this, you know, past two weeks, one thing to note is um, every night um, we go out onto the mountain and do basically ET contact um, meditations and viewings. Uh, I learned some of that basis. Uh, from Stephen Greer, who does that work for the past 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. So using similar protocols, mm-hmm. there is this basically, I just call it bonkers, but the amount of physical sightings, um, undeniable um, sightings was pretty amazing and happened every evening. Uh, and there are a lot of so-called, what I would say, uninitiated uh, participants or people who may have not even, that wasn't really their main focus for coming to the retreat because it's quite multifaceted. And um, they even saw things that, you know, it was hard to come away saying that it wasn't at least something um, very highly unusual. Um, mm. But uh, there was, yeah, so a lot of um, physical sightings in the um, sky uh, during this retreat. Okay, let's talk a little bit more in depth about that. So what did you see? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So in the sky, were they up in the sky? Were they far away? Were they, they like fast-moving lights? Or did you even exactly. capture, mm-hmm. you know, I've even seen people that capture strange orbs and images on cameras mm-hmm. or, or have any sensations or feelings. Anything like that going on? 
Yeah, so there's a number of things, um, you know, we can talk about, I think, that would be of interest um, mm-hmm. to the audience or to people listening and to the, yeah, to the Arcturian frequencies and just expansion of consciousness. Um, one thing to note is I think there were a number of, uh, like, ET contact groups up there at the same time. So um, not that I was directly connected with, but I um, know that that was probably the case, and I think there was a big conference uh, called the Disclosure Eclipse that was held in McLeod Falls on this past Saturday. So oh. there was basically a convergence, right, of a lot of human beings who were, um, I guess, in contact or sending out the, those intentions um, mm-hmm. addition, in addition to, yeah, our group there. So I think we were in this sea of intention. But um, just to give people a sense of what um, we were seeing, uh, there are a lot of different levels that you can see it at and also a lot of different non-physical, more energetic or frequency transmissions. And I think we could even feel some of those um, here on the uh, interview later because I connected with what I was perceiving as the beings who are behind the physical sightings. But for um, just an idea of what was physically seen, like at the star level, it would look like a star um, and it would be moving across the night sky. So that's already unique. Um, one human uh, possibility for that is that it could be a satellite. Um, but those usually will move um, pretty regularly and just constantly and stay at a certain level of brightness. So what we were seeing on multiple occasions every evening and um, every night was we have these high-powered lasers that you can circle those stars and basically they'll like expand maybe 10 times their brightness when you circle them. So it's almost like a call and response. So that that's already starting to move you into something that you'd start to think is not um, human generated. And then sometimes they would uh, be moving across and basically um, vanish and then come back. And one, one particular one that was moving across, I, you know, I said, oh, this, okay, this, it's hard to say this is a, not a satellite. And someone was tracking it with the laser, circling it. And just as it was leaving the horizon, it basically powered up, you know, like mm-hmm. 10 times brighter. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and then, and then disappeared. So that's just like, um, maybe one out of, you know, four things at the level of the night sky that, you know, it's kind of beginning to be undeniable in terms of its uniqueness. Yes, okay. We have time for one more story along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, I know mm-hmm. that like maybe, yeah. how about photographs? Were there any photographs or uh, sometimes people even channel information. I don't know if you had any of that happen while you were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I do have that frequency we could probably feel. Um, the spiritual beings behind um, these phenomena, I decided to journey to, you know, um, using the journey technique after the contact evenings okay. to what was the spiritual beings behind it. And uh, they did give me their name, uh, oh. just a name to call them, and a frequency. Um, and just by saying their name, I, they, call, they call themselves the intergalactic which isn't any, I don't think anything special, but it was just a way to um, have a, um, a sound or a word connected with that consciousness. 
And I think, and they also mentioned that if you just say that term, you'll feel the frequency behind them. Because there was a frequency on the journey that I was very distinctive um, when I kind of connected with that consciousness. So intergalactic. And they also said that that would be enough um, if we ever went out again to just repeat that and um, there wouldn't be any need to do too much formal meditating, um, particularly at Mount Shasta. Uh, so that was kind of a kind of after um, more investigation uh, from the evenings. But one also mm-hmm. was that we were, yeah, just one last thing that people could kind of just see or, or get a sense of is um, in between the two retreats where we weren't even doing a formal contact uh, evening, but people are out on the, the deck of the house that we rented. And right above us, basically, um, you know, out of, in the dark patch of sky uh, at the star level, like a star basically powered up out of the darkness and then mm-hmm. went back to complete darkness and did that three or four times. And we just call those power-ups and different, like Stephen Greer has recorded those um, at Mount Shasta and put that as a video if people wanted to see that phenomena. But um, those are kind of really difficult to explain in terms of, uh, for most people in the field, you know, that that's kind of a, basically a UFO craft, but it's in a, in a kind of interdimensional light um, form, form of light. Mm-hmm. Yes, the interdimensional form of light, the intergalactics. Wow, that is very cool. The Christed, the spiritual beings, the Christed ETs. Would you say that, well, we're going to experience the intergalactic energy today. And so that's really who you are connecting with, were those spiritual beings, advanced higher beings. Exactly, yeah. So like on that journey, it's basically what was the consciousness behind these um, uh, physical sightings is what I connected with. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting you brought up the, the Christed, um, consciousness. The, the sense of the level of their consciousness, uh, was similar to in one cosmological, um, ladder or scheme to what are known as the thrones who are, um, angelic beings in the spiritual hierarchy. And, um, so I just mentioned that hierarchy really quickly for people who are, new to that so there's we're part of that humanity is part of that then in sort of ascending order it's uh, in of consciousness development it's the angels the archangels the archai or the spirits of time the elohim the dynamis the curiosities the thrones who are known as the spirits of will and then the cherubim and the highest level of that ranking is the seraphim and they all resonate with the solar logos or the Christ being, which was a big part of the retreat uh, because Melchizedek as a being is also in um, very strong resonance with the Christ consciousness. Um, so these intergalactics, I would say, are, are very, the term is combinescent, uh, which means almost like similar or the same as um, the level of the thrones, or at least that was my sense in the journey or the communication from them. Okay, thank you for sharing on that. That is so very, very cool. Very interesting Mm -hmm. that you've even, you were able to witness this intergalactic 
um, or, well, you saw the physical side of it. And, and again, it's undeniable. So beautiful. Well, then let's talk about what we are going to experience today in these transmissions. You have really evolved in what energy and what transmissions come through. And so now we've got this intergalactic connection that we're going to feel. Personally, I'm already starting to feel something. It feels very solid, very secure, but very uh, soft mm-hmm, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of um, here to unpack and there's kind of this temporal progression that I consciously wasn't aware of. Like when we talk here about the um, Arcturian Merkaba transmissions, um, what's interesting is the the transmissions that just occurred at Mount Shasta, which was part of the seven initiations of Melchizedek. On the second retreat, um, they came down, and I'm just sort of tuning into the information field of the group and, of course, the higher beings that are meeting the group. So it's quite unique, like between the first retreat and the second retreat, the transmissions that were coming down were different. The second group actually received transmissions that link very closely with this Arcturian Merkaba transmission um, that we're going to experience here, um, which we also made into an online healing retreat in September. But I wrote that, or I received that somewhat in July and didn't really... Um, recognize it would, you know, come also in a different form just um, last week. So there's this all this sort of interconnecting uh, weaving between um, what happened in Mount Shasta and also what we're presenting here, but what which was prepared for, though, a couple months earlier than that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, so I, I'll get more into that. I think there's kind of a more to unpack or just really explain to make that clear. Um, but um, one thing about, you mentioned feeling the intergalactic um, frequency from these different sightings of the beings behind that is, and I didn't really quite understand this message, but they seem to be interested in working with people who already know their uh, purpose and mission. And um, I didn't really quite understand that at first that I was receiving that. But um, as I thought about that, you know, like it would be good to have, you know, perceived or seen those sightings, but a sustained connection with them, I got the sense that it was with people who were doing their mission. And maybe that, maybe there's something to that in the sense of um, helping accelerate people who now are trying to, um, work in, in a sense of selfless service uh, for the planet to um, aid that and um, kind of really focus on on that group of um, people. So that was that was kind of unique, and there's probably more to explore or understand with that um, communication and how accurate that is. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, we could go deep on that. Of when we really know what our purpose and mission is, then we can work on that. And they are there to then give us more energy, be more energy at us for inspiration and support. Is that what's going on? Is it is it more of a an energetic support or inspiration? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that encompasses um, a lot of it. And there's 
um, probably even some, yeah, consciousness gifts or healing gifts or um, okay. uh, acceleration and sensitivity. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess it, one, well, there were two points that kind of were uh, unpacked. One was, um, so those higher beings, the thrones in particular, are spirits of uh, will. Uh, that's their esoteric secret name in this, um, you know, that's a cosmology that comes, dates back from ancient Egyptian times and was kind of held more in esoteric Christian um, groups. But they basically, those um, spiritual beings hold the understanding of our spiritual purpose amongst lifetimes and how they interlink um, between past lives, this life, and future lives. Uh, so when you connect, reconnect with the thrones, you can receive that knowledge. Um, and this this sense that these intergalactics are very similar to the thrones, and then this particular message about working with people who perhaps are on point more with what they consciously um, are doing, uh, then made a lot more sense. And they are probably there. For one, people... Um, they can only help people who actually um, have chosen to uh, connect, like in a sense of respecting their free will. Mm-hmm. And then once they've chosen, they can sort of accelerate the process and also help to remember um, or recall what the full uh, mission is um, for wow. each person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, that is just fascinating. So that's very cool. If our listeners have questions, we invite them to enter that in our Q&A box on this webpage. Well, Jean, then this is fascinating. Talk a little bit about the Merkaba transmissions, the Arcturian Merkaba transmissions, and then um, lead us into a transmission session today. I know many are really looking forward to experiencing those frequencies. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, um, you know, do a couple of, um, uh, interactive, uh, transmissions that are, would be totally new, uh, kind of never released in the sense, um, some of this is just, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I was just, uh, attuned to myself in Mount Shasta, but one would be around the Merkaba, um, transmissions and that would be more Arcturian, uh, based. And then if we wanted to, we could also experience the intergalactic energies more from this level of the thrones um, of frequency that uh, is more just coming, or at least I just um, sort of got myself attuned or connected with at, in Mount Shasta recently. But the Merkaba, <clears throat> many people know that term, I think, in the um, current spirituality is is um actually dates back to a term from ancient uh, Egyptian uh, lore and spirituality and it can be translated in a number of ways uh, people also know it sometimes as a chariot or a subtle body vehicle of consciousness and uh, is typically seen in many shapes but it's usually um in terms of sacred geometry are two um tetrahedrons that are at opposite directions. So basically, in a two-dimensional form, looks like a Star of David. Um, and then in a three-dimensional form as a Star Tetrahedron. And that's just one form of the Merkaba in terms of its uh, sacred geometrical form. And uh, But if you 
break down the the term or Kaaba, it can be broken down into three Egyptian uh, words, and that's mer, and then ka, and then ba. So mer translates into love, and then the ka body is the etheric body or the pranic body in um, in this sort of nine subtle bodies of in Egyptian spirituality. And then the ba is the astral body or the body of um, emotions and thoughts or mental body combined. And so the idea with the Merkaba vehicle is when those two bodies are infused with love, then you're able to fly in the inner world. Um, and so I'm taking that particular interpretation with, you know, how the Arcturian consciousness and energy is um, going to come through and we can experience some of those frequencies now. And I think we go more in depth in our next um, online healing retreat about that. Um, so we're sort of infusing or raising the frequency of our etheric as well as our um, astral body with a frequency of love so that we can expand it and um, move, expand consciousness and move uh, through the all dimensions you know, in a more easy and conscious manner. Um, but to fully, um, just to finish that, uh, we're not just going to only work on those two bodies because there's even higher spiritual bodies that I've mentioned in certain models that we've used together. But there's also a karmic body, which, which I was calling a causal body, and a spiritual body, which is somewhat akin to a soul-level um, blueprint. So we'll also be using the Arcturian um, transmissions or frequencies to raise the frequencies of those two other bodies also, uh, primarily in this um, when we go in-depth in the online healing retreat. Mhm. Okay, that sounds so beautiful. Very good. I know we all want to fly through other dimensions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, um yeah, just the last thing that just to mention and then we can experience uh first the Arcturian uh Merkaba frequencies uh and then also and then the intergalactic frequencies. But um uh, what I was mentioning and how it linked to Mount Shasta was in the seven initiations of Melchizedek, which was the topic uh, in this last retreat for the last week. The transmissions that came down were actually, uh, there were five of them, were very specific to uh, each of these bodies. And in the Egyptian uh, spirituality, they're called the Ren, or your, each of these bodies, and I'll just name the bodies, the model we've been using, so the physical, etheric, uh, emotional, mental, causal, spiritual, and divine. Each of these um, levels of ourself in the Egyptian spirituality has a name because uh, it's considered uh, that we have almost an autonomous entity on each of these planes of, or dimensions. So, for example, we have an autonomous um, aspect of our consciousness that lives at the divine level. And in ancient um, or in Egyptian spirituality, that's known as Asahu or S-A-H-U. And uh, and our goal is to come into more conscious connection with that aspect of ourself that's basically autonomous and lives in the divine plane. So those transmissions were meant to connect people more closely with each of these different uh, aspects of ourselves on the bodies. 
But what's very interesting, it almost complements basically this Arcturian Merkaba transmission that um, you know we'll get a, a, a taste of now and that we'll be doing in um, in September. So it's just interesting how these are. There must be some um, message from the higher beings, at least, uh, that they would sort of repeat or almost make these two complementary transmissions available. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, that's very uh, interesting. It's this connection to the higher aspects of ourself with these frequencies. Okay. Right. Well, then everyone sit back and if you, this is if you're new to this, enjoy and be aware of what you're about to experience. We'll have some sharing too from our audience that always helps us identify our own experience and validate it even better. Gene, any other advice as we head into this? Yeah, so people can just relax. It'll probably be like um, five minutes of the transmissions to kind of infuse the frequencies. And I'll also tune in to see if there's any kind of message in terms of how to unpack it more. And then um, and I'll bring people back out. Um, ideally, if people aren't driving or listening to this where they can just relax and uh, absorb or observe, that's the best. If, they, if you are driving, the the higher consciousness will adjust it, so you could just um, just stay focused on what you're doing. But beyond that, it would just be to observe and receive at this moment. Okay. So people can just relax, and we'll start with the Arcturian Merkaba transmission frequency. And this will work in a very general, um, overarching way. And when we work on it in the online healing to retreat, there will be very specific connections being made to different parts of your subtle bodies, these autonomous entities almost, that we're, our goal is to be conscious of those parts of ourselves so that we can receive energy and information more clearly from those different aspects of ourselves. So we're beginning the Arcturian Merkaba transmission frequency. And the intention here that seems to be coming down is the body that you need uh, to become most conscious of and receive the information from is what these frequencies will connect you to right now. So that could be your physical consciousness that exists on the physical dimension or the etheric or pranic dimension, or the emotional or mental dimension, the causal, or the physical, or the, I'm sorry, the spiritual, and finally the divine. So whichever of those dimensions that you need to connect with most clearly now is how the frequencies will be working with you.
we're continuing to allow the Arcturian Merkaba transmission frequency to come across to connect you most closely with this whichever dimensional self that you need to connect with now or in the near future. And then, of course, one of the key ingredients to this level of frequency coming across is that it activates the love, particularly through the heart center. And so people may have already started experiencing that or will put a slight emphasis on these last couple minutes on this aspect or quality of the frequencies that the bodies need to be infused with that consciousness of love in order to raise their vibration and make a more conscious connection with each of these bodies of consciousness. Okay, and so we've completed the first exposure, which is our experience, and that was the Arcturian Merkaba transmission frequencies. And now we'll call in the intergalactic frequencies, and people can experience these unique frequencies coming from the beings behind the sightings at Mount Shasta recently. So beginning the exposure to the intergalactic frequencies.
So continuing the exposure to the intergalactic frequencies for a few moments. And here you can set an intention of how you'd like to work with that frequency. In particular, they work with bringing the gifts that you need to fulfill your spiritual mission online. And uh, bringing the will to carry out your spiritual mission. And the heart to understand it. And the mind to see clearly. And that completes the exposure to the intergalactic frequency. And if people would like to begin to come back to their physical body now, moving their fingers and their toes, coming completely back to your physical body now. And when you feel comfortable, you can open your eyes and snap your fingers. Well, my goodness, that would be very exquisite. I'd love to hear from listeners what they experienced. I know it's different for everyone. Uh, let's first start talking about the Arcturian Merkaba frequencies. That was very interesting, feeling into that. Let's see, can I even remember? Because the intergalactic frequencies, that was so profound. Um, the connecting... Mm -hmm to the higher self, that was more of a, oh, goodness, that just felt like very warm and sparkly for me personally. And like I say, it's hard to remember what I experienced because the intergalactic frequencies, they were way different than what I felt even earlier when we first began our call. Jean, did you ever feel that like a pulse or did anybody report feeling it more like a, at first it was like a big pulse? of energy, and then even the frequency, after a while, um, I heard a frequency change, very subtle and soft, and I just thought that was just very, very interesting, very, very dynamic. Yeah, exactly. And, um, between these two, just because they were back-to-back, -back, I did feel the intergalactic uh, a difference between the two frequencies, and um, this would be the first time that I ever actually ran the intergalactic frequencies uh, for really yeah. anyone, um, as well as a group, yeah. Um, but it did feel much like how, how I felt it on the journey, but maybe even stronger. 
uh, mainly because uh-huh. we were in a group setting. Mm-hmm. And um, almost like a pressure, an increased pressure on my crown, um, uh, sort of pillar of light connecting to my crown. Uh, so that was quite unique uh, in my experience of just channeling it here or just facilitating that. And the other thing with the Arcturian or the Merkaba frequencies uh, that I noted, and this came in actually through the transmission focused on these different um, subtle bodies that occurred in Mount Shasta, uh, is that I didn't realize how important that love um, aspect quality to the full activation of the different, these different, what they call the Ren, these different subtle bodies. And um, if there's, um, because I think what in the transmissions that complement the Arcturian Merkaba transmissions, but that occurred at Mount Shasta as part of the seven initiations of Melchizedek, is those transmissions were basically also bringing those bodies online. But what I noticed is that they, if there's still a lot of unforgiveness in the heart around something, or the heart's not quite fully open or activated. It's hard to bring that body fully consciously online. Uh, that was just something I sensed. So the importance of that was um, yeah, very um, profound and um, uh, kind of um, evident. Uh, what I think is happening with the Arcturian Merkaba transmissions that helps to uh, ease one into that or clear that in addition to bringing the body online. So there's a healing aspect to the Arcturian Merkaba transmission frequencies. Okay, very interesting. Uh, just fascinating mm-hmm. to, to, to feel these within our bodies. Okay, well, there's some comments coming in that I'd love to share. Gigi said, I felt okay. a little surge or pulse in my right temple area on the second part. Okay, the second part would be the intergalactic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But she said the second part, the ka. Okay, it was the intergalactic, yeah. Okay, um, well, I think that we're all fired up on our missions here. There's so many that we know our mission, we know our purpose. Some still kind of have this, um, I guess it's a, a lack of, of passion or mission if we've been beaten up in the world, but it really feels like this frequency did help us even remember that if we still are having trouble not knowing our passion. It just feels like there's a strong sense of people knowing more with that connection with the Arcturian Merkaba, connecting to those higher aspects uh, of the Ren, as you called it. Uh, how do you spell that? Is it W-R-E-N? Um, it, I, it might be spelled like that. Um, I, I've seen it spelled as R-E-N. R-E-N, uh, or okay. R-E-N, like the name. Um, mm-hmm. And a little bit interesting information around that that people might um, could find useful is that so these these um, different autonomous aspects of ourself, they're almost seen as like these positive or beneficial entities that are within us. Mm-hmm. Um, that we may not be fully conscious of. They each have a name um, that people can determine or, or that there's methods to determine the exact name of the each of the ren on, that exists on each of these subtle bodies. 
Um, I learned a technique in biogeometry, this modality, in their advanced training. And uh, I took that about six or seven years ago. Uh, and I heard recently that the, it was um, quite an advanced topic that I think they even took it out of that level of training and then made it into something very specific. But they used basically dowsing to find the exact letters that made up each of the names. And what that process does is once you know the name of something, you know, you have more connection, you have more power uh, over and to that um, entity or that consciousness. So if you can determine your name on each of these levels, you basically have much more access to that part of yourself. So, um, so for example, if you're trying to decide on something, uh, let's say on getting married, for example, uh, you may, you may get quite different information from the, your astral body, um, you know, Ren, or, which is the, the Ba, uh, versus the Sahu, which is your divine self. So it kind of gives you different, um, qualities or aspects of information when you make that more conscious connection to these different, um, autonomous beneficial entities so that are ourselves. Mm-hmm. Really, it's tapping us into this multidimensionality that we are. Yes, mm-hmm. and it does make us more powerful. We can see that. Okay. Well, beautiful. So this is the work that you do, and you've got – I do want to mention that we do have an upcoming online healing retreat with you over the equinox in September and we'll be mm-hmm. working with um, these frequencies, the Arcturian Merkaba, and then also the seven initiations of Melchizedek. Um, when you worked with these transmission to transmissions for these subtle bodies, the Ren, we're going to make that available as well in a special offer with you. So everyone, be patient for that to come out. We'll even try to include it with the the next online healing retreat season or um, Series 6 with you, where we really go into the Merkaba. So that's beautiful. Uh, do you want to add anything on the online healing retreat that's coming up? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting how you, you mentioned those two, uh, which were completely um, unplanned, um, independent of each other, uh, which is kind of unique. The... The Arcturian, so some of this is still unpacking for me now since um, these recent ones uh, from Mount Shasta were just done uh, live with the group there this past week. But um, but kind of having experienced that and seeing these in parallel, the Arcturian Merkaba transmissions, which is our online healing retreat uh, that you said is also in a nice time of the um, uh, fall, e- um, fall equinox, yeah, that's right, Fall equinox. Uh, I, when I feel the frequencies, there's a little bit more of a healing aspect there. So there would be some kind of it would um, the, the transmissions would help first clear uh, any um, blockages or anything that might um, that might need to be sort of cleared first uh, or settled first or balanced first, and then allow the connection to these different. Ren or different names or different um, uh, subtle body, you know, independent subtle bodies. And just to repeat, that's on the, you know, ethere- physical, etheric, astral, which makes up the emotional, mental, 
the causal and the spiritual bodies. The the ones that came through at Mount Shasta, of course, had the Mount Shasta energy. It was held primarily from, by the being of Melchizedek and the initiates of Melchizedek. Um, just tuning into the quality of the energy of those transmissions, there's also five. Um, one of those transmissions is to the... Um, to the shadow. It's actually not part of these five uh, or these subtle bodies that I've been mentioning, but that was a unique um, transmission as part of that. Uh, they feel a little bit stronger, more uh, more of a, a yang, uh, perhaps if you wanted to say it like in a masculine way in terms of the comparison. Uh, they almost expected the the bodies of the participants to have reached a certain level because uh, it was a much more direct download into those bodies. Um, so it, it's a very nice complement. It's almost a, a yin-yang, soft soft healing one from the Arcturians and a more stronger one from the Melchizedek um, uh, consciousness. Okay, beautiful. Well, that is coming up again. It's on the special offer button on this page, and that is coming up over the equinox, the fall equinox. That is fascinating. All of us have received downloads in our subtle bodies, in our physical bodies, and you talk about unpacking this information, and many people who follow your work do indeed know what that entails, but there may be some who don't understand what you mean there. So what do you mean mm -hmm. by unpacking? Um, and also, I'm going to add a question because someone is sharing that they feel a, a rush of light in my heart and still having a little bit of a pain in the middle of the back that never goes completely away. Will it always be there? So help out this person and then talk about what this information is doing in our physical body and more. Yeah. And uh, did that person say during which transmission that occurred or did they just said after the entire um, exposure to the two frequencies they're, they're, they felt a rush in their heart? Yes, a rush of light into heart, not wondering why it's still there. I don't have an idea on when. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that um, might be the case, particularly for um, the Arcturian Merkaba transmission effect, regardless kind of when it happened. Um, but it definitely is a strong heart activation and opening, and I mentioned that more towards the second half of that exposure that that would, um, you know, there's a really strong quality to that. Uh, the, the reason I know that um, is that uh, not just from an intellectual point, is that uh, from the intellectual point is that those bodies, the, the access key or code to, to making a more conscious connection to these bodies is developing the love frequency or aspect or um, chakra and then you can, you know, f more fully embody these different, like the myrrh and the ka, or I'm sorry, the ba, the ka and the ba and the other, uh, the sahu. But actually, when I was doing the Melchizedek transmission versions of these at Mount Shasta, there was a, a strong sense that it couldn't actually come in until um, uh, certain things were forgiven um, by us, the people who were receiving it. Um, so it's almost as if um, you know that that the higher beings or what just the way I was perceiving 
the reception of these, I would say, um, high-grade transmissions, um, that there has to be that certain level of um, letting go of any grievances. Uh, so this heart feeling that this person may be experienced, uh, what I was saying is I think the Arcturian Merkaba transmissions are a little more softer and gentle in the sense that they will help to clear those things prior to the connection. So that could be happening, possibly. And just to um, allay any fears that that will uh, clear and, and resolve itself and balance itself soon, um, maybe mm -hmm. in, the, even in the next couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was just a response to that that question. Uh, and then we can move to the packed unpacked um, concepts. But was there was there anything else that you thought maybe to? Yes, I don't see a reply that, to yeah. that, but mm -hmm. um, that does make so much sense, yeah, that we are clearing and and uh, that's in the heart center and it's really love that's coming in. We're being infused with that love frequency. Okay, thanks, mm -hmm. Jean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. unpacking, yeah. We're, this, is infer this is like what a download is and we have to unpack mm -hmm. it. Exactly, yeah. So um, for people who are new to the term there's actually two terms that are complementary to each other I learned this um, in a school called Clairvision um, which is still going strong and, and there's a book that the founder wrote called A Language to Map Consciousness it's free on the internet if you just search that uh, the author is Samuel Sagan but the um, and he was a medical doctor who then uh, turned towards um, doing a sort of spiritual mission, which was to put this esoteric school into sort of modern form, uh, which is now called clairvision. But um, the term pact is basically how we think of as a download in meditation or in energy work or in transmissions, where you're receiving a tremendous amount of information and energy and frequencies almost instantaneously from another information field or consciousness. Um, with our current um, computer technology uh, used as a metaphor, it's very similar to as if, you know, downloading like a 100 terabytes from a, a web server or something onto your, you know, hard drive or mainframe. It just uh, happens even faster than that. So you might be or we might be connecting to the Melchizedek as a spiritual being and that uh, packed information as we make that connection could occur in an instant or even a couple of seconds, but we may not really be fully conscious or even conscious at all of what we receive uh, in terms of being able to explain it or understand it or uh, explain it to someone else or a group. Um, so it kind of occurs in a silent background. And then the term unpacked would be that process in which we uh, become conscious of the material. It's a much more slower process occurs perhaps over uh, minutes, hours, days, weeks, could be months or years. So, for example, um, an artist might receive or an author might receive the packed version of their next three books in a minute or two of, you know, walking in the forest and then take the next three years to write the first volume of that book. And so that would be the packed version would be the, the walk in the forest in the three minutes. And then the unpacking of that would be the three years of writing it down and refining it and becoming more conscious of 
um, all the aspects or facets of, of that information transfer. So just be patient with ourselves as it unfolds. I know that, uh, Jean, in these online healing retreats that we do with you, they are so powerful in the way that the energy builds up. And then after three days of this, literally it's almost like a springboard. But then it does continue because some days, you know, one will come to work and suddenly have all the answers to what we've been contemplating and get an extreme amount of work done or, uh, you know, like get over a learning curve in a very quick way or meet the, um, you may maybe put an ad out on Craigslist for some help that you need and find the exact person. That's how it begins to integrate in our life. I've seen that with myself like on something as simple as YouTube, which was kind of complicated, but then just kind of like figuring out a really efficient way to work with it. And that's really how it's becoming integrated within us then. And it's all from a higher level of ease and grace and efficiency. And I find that it comes, uh, it, it gets unpacked when we're out in nature and just being and playing and being in joy. Yeah, exactly. And um, I like how you kind of brought up the example of uh, like a skill building way of unpacking information because you can use it in that very practical manner of you may receive information in a packed version, so it's unconscious, sort of on the hard drive. And then what I found is, um, you know, there, there are tips or techniques or ways, like you had mentioned, a number of ways like being out in nature one is just the state of consciousness of being relaxed and not grasping um, and a sense of ease, and that helps the unpacking. Uh, and then what I also found in terms of if it's a particular skill, like um, like let's say it's, a, it's about writing a book or it's about like uh, figuring out um, how do you do YouTube or um, and so forth, then when you actually just start doing that activity, uh, the information that you received packed around that activity uh, will begin to percolate up as you actually do the activity. Um, so you kind of like put yourself into the activity and then that new um, packed information will more rapidly come out. So that's I, I call it unpacked by doing. Okay, unpacked by doing. Mm-hmm in a very calm state and uh, all right very cool all right well every one of us has received it and i know it's to assist us as new earth leaders moving forward and really creating the new in everything that we do from a heart-centered point all right i want to share a couple more comments and then we've got a couple hands raised we can get to Kimberly says, connecting to heart space, I was jerking, releasing a lot. I was having visions throughout, but the interdimensional one, intergalactic, I saw a scene where a group was going in to rescue people, and someone um, someone started digging in the floor, and there was someone being held down below. I rescued him, and it felt like I was rescuing a lost soul. Wow, she says. Mm, that's great. Yeah, um, that's uh, pretty amazing. Um, and thanks, Kimberly, for sharing that. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, you know, this aspect of 
um, spirit rescue on the inner world or inner plane that people who are incarnated now, um, they, they may be initiates like Kimberly who are remembering skills as shamans or healers in past lives. And then now they're doing those skills. They probably were already still doing them in this life, perhaps um, subconsciously, like in their dream state. And then this aspect of coming into connection more consciously with our different REN or different subtle bodies, one of the ways that may manifest on a practical level is these skills from these bodies, this information, and of course these are ourselves, um, become more conscious. So then now we become conscious of this ability to spirit rescue. And then we can, um, because we had that already in the past, and now mm-hmm. and it's being held in one of these bodies, um, and now we can do that in a more conscious way, for example, as a healing skill. So, um, okay. Yeah, well, that brings up another question, Jean. In the dream state, mm-hmm. you know, we've had people reporting very active dreams, especially during mm-hmm. this uh, beautiful August um, energetic experience of, of windows of these eclipses. And What about when, like, so for personally, in my dreams, I'm jumping and I'm getting really better at it. And they're like super power jumps and getting away from people Mm -hmm. and and being able to control those jumps more and more and more. And then also flying very easily and then controlling flying easier, easier, right? And it's... um. It just seems mm-hmm. to get advanced. So that's what you're speaking to as well. These are skills. But what do you have to say about the dream state skills like flying and jumping? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, those are all very positive signs when you're flying in a dream or jumping or moving. I mean, all all, all um, experiences are, are great because they're all learning experiences um, that help us move forward. But the, definitely the flying and the jumping are um, expansive, a sense of um, uh, expanding or moving our consciousness, uh, the capacity to change situations um, and our perspective on situations, and therefore, the, since we're co-creating reality on all dimensions, including the physical, you're able to more <clears throat> change, uh, let's say, physical reality at a faster pace. So, you know, I come from a in this realm. I've studied a lot of the Tibetan dream work maybe perhaps because of a linkage in a past life. But there are other traditions that study you know, dream work and, and in particular lucid dreaming, which you were mentioning, where we become more conscious and therefore able to alter our nighttime dreams. And one reason for practicing that, when one can become awake while they're dreaming and then that they jump as high as they want or fly away or change a house into a mouse or you know um, whatever you want, is that in our waking life, then we're able to do that also. Because um, we tend not to think, uh, or we're, a lot of people here are already realizing that, or maybe have fully realized that, but we tend to think that the physical world is very solid and it sort of is the way it is and the way it appears to us. But because if you have a lot of experience in the dream world of altering things and jumping and jumping higher, you bring that same state of consciousness to your um, physical uh, reality and interactions, so you can change things more rapidly also on that dimension. Wow. Well, you have just explained why lucid dreaming is so important. 
because it does change our ability to change this waking life. I've never heard it expressed that way, and it makes such perfect sense. Beautiful. Okay, the power to lucid dream, what we should all be working on. Okay, that's a fascinating discussion and a whole new discussion. I want to give uh, our listeners who have their hands raised a quick moment with you. Let's go to North Hollywood, California, phone number ending in 8097. Hi, you're unmuted. What's your name, please? Hi, Alexandra. Hi, Alexandra. I just got off the couch when I heard North Hollywood. I was totally out. I was just trying to get up before, and my legs were like, oh, whoa, just lay back down. Um, oh, hi, Dr. Jean. This was so powerful. I have your other package, like the before package, another one, and it totally Ooh, changed okay. my life. And um, I felt, uh, first of all, in the Merkaba exercise, or download or unpack or whatever it was. I felt such a connection to Egypt and my my husband who we had a tall Egyptian life together and we knew it and we recognized it and he passed away, he came back. And uh, I remember a piece of jewelry that my hands went out and I said, where's my necklace, where's my necklace? And I used to have this huge scarab necklace that was actually from Egypt, somehow ended up in a old jewelry store, like a, a junk store, and uh, mm-hmm. Carbo dated it, and it was really from Egypt, and I used to have that necklace, and then um, I was touching it, like, where is it, and I had to sell it to pay for school, and I was so sorry about that, but at the time, I wasn't so aware, and then in the second one, in the uh, um, the galactic one, in the galactic one, I had my whole heart open, and uh, and exactly you said you to make it to have an intention. It was like exactly what you just said. That's what I need. It's like to have my heart open and my mind clear, so I can see clearly, and to have my purpose. And I was just one big love, like a one. It was like a pure. I was just pure love and light, and. I was on the couch. I couldn't even get up, and it was so powerful. And I was and uh, I do know my purpose, and um, and I just need the mental clarity. And the, I have heart disease, and I always somehow it, it held me back, like I wasn't there was something wrong with me. And I think my heart disease is getting killed. I mean, healed, <laughs> killed. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting healed. So. Huh. I know what my purpose is, and it just gives me strength to just go and do it. And the and the unpacking is in the doing. And it's very symbolically, I have all these projects in boxes, and I just have to unpack my boxes and to take my books out and my projects out and all my books that I wrote. So it's, it's very symbolic, and really the unpacking on the downloads is, is really what I'm gonna do, and just take action on the um, on the downloads and unpack it. So thank you so much. That's what I got. Wow, thank thank you so much for sharing that, Alexandra. And there are a couple um, things that you reminded me are key points. Um, should I share those now, Lauren? Or yes, that would be beautiful. Thanks for okay. sharing, Alexandra. Thank you. Yeah. Well, one. 
Yeah, it's so great that when you were talking um, right before you got to the saying the scarab, I, I was thinking of a scarab um, or was activating a, a particular dream that I had. I think one of the things that Alexander points out is uh, many of us may have had um, past lives or incarnations in the uh, ancient Egyptian times. Um, since we're drawn to spirituality now, we were probably drawn to spirituality then um, and may have been connected to different um, esoteric schools or esoteric knowledge. And um, what was interesting, it takes a little bit of time to explain this. I'll try to condense it because it's very relevant to what um, Alexandra brought up um, mm-hmm. and with the scarab is um, when I uh, had done my shamanic training, one of the things that one of the inner teachers told me to do, uh, particularly around the death and dying training, uh, was to always teach once a year a class on death and dying. So it's an agreement, you know, or as a suggestion. So I began to do that publicly. And before the first one, I had a dream that I was on, uh, I got off this train, was um, taken by a taxi up this mountain, and then right before I got out of the taxi, the taxi driver opened up the um, the front hood, and there was a big beetle there, which is, you know, the scarab is the beetle. And then I went into this temple and this pool and was, you know, um, sat in the water of the pool and so forth. But it was a very much, I think it was an initiation to allow me to teach. And when I looked up um, scare or beetle, which is the scarab, it also stands for resurrection and is very appropriate symbolically um, about death and resurrection. So I think a lot of us are being reconnected to our inner knowledge that we maybe it was in a past life like in ancient Egypt or maybe it's just in our cosmic consciousness or our quantum consciousness. So I'm, I'm thankful that Alexandra brought up her experiences and it mm-hmm. also reactivated yeah, my own. Yeah, it's uh, so fascinating. Okay, these these frequencies and this connection. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to um, Burns Lake, B.C., cell phone ending in 8288. Hi, you're unmuted. What's your name, please? Marianne. Hi, Marianne. Do you have a question or wish to share an experience? Um. Yes, um, just kind of curious with myself uh, in terms of living my purpose. Um, I felt like I've been doing that most of my life, um, but I sort of hit a block um, when my father had his strokes, and um, now I want to get back on track, and um I've been doing a lot of clearing and um, just wondering what's left. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Th- thanks for the question, Marianne. I think we all um, have that question because I think our spiritual mission, like we were talking about the concept of unpacking, uh, is continuously unfolding. And in my experience, we're, or I or we are given a certain amount to understand or consciously unpack and then um, uh, sometimes we can see more of it, and particularly from our past lives. And sometimes we see an aspect of it that's more relevant to what we're doing now. And I was talking about this in actually another interviewer, and but I think it's a concept relevant here, is that 
a lot of times our particular spiritual mission is interlinked with other people's spiritual mission. And so it's almost um, like uh, sometimes a, a particular aspect of our spiritual mission depends on someone else completing their mission. And if that quite doesn't happen, then we may have to actually do some of that work for um, someone else that might not have remembered or uh, quite fulfilled that. Or the other thing is um, we may want to go faster uh, or we're wondering why our particular mission is not unfolding as fast as it should be. And I think there's always um, a divine timing that we can trust in and trusting the divine. It's also because we don't see the people that are interconnected to our mission and they may be at their own um, step uh, or rate. So we have to kind of coordinate um, together. And so there may be a reason why our mission doesn't exactly unfold at maybe what our conscious mind would see as the appropriate speed. So these are just some factors to consider, but also just to trust um, trust your process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, just since we were on this, and this is the big thing that's unpacking here right now is uh, the intergalactics, and I mentioned they're very combinescent, meaning they are very similar to the thrones in your meditation, uh, which are these high angelic beings. And I mentioned their purpose, they're called the spirits of will, because they, they hold uh, for us in a very personal way um, what our particular spiritual mission is now in this life, as well as it, how it connects to past lives, as well as future lives of ours. Uh, whether whether that be an incarnated life or a life in another dimensional space or like a heavenly space. But um, you could, um, in your meditation or prayer uh, or just, you know, in contemplation, just call on the throne and to receive more consciously um, your packed or unpacked information about uh, your particular spiritual mission or purpose, and that can be a very direct way of receiving that guidance now. Okay. Very I'll do good. that. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I know, Jean. Many people are like, okay, how can we unpack this information quickly? Because we don't want to wait, you know, a year or weeks or days. So um, mm-hmm. just call on it and ask and take the time to meditate. That is the single most important meeting that we could offer ourselves with ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then also, um, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have people there or to support you, but just to know that um, sometimes it's just acting on what you know. Um, yeah, that which takes, you know, that's always a little bit scary. And there are some times when you have to act um, and make decisions that seem to be like jumping out of a plane. You know, you kind of don't exactly know how you're going to be uh, supported in the future with the certain decisions you're making. Um, but sometimes when you make that um, strong decision and act, then the universe or these higher forces will back you up. Uh, but they, they're waiting for you to act first. That can also happen. Hmm. Nice reminder. We must act on what we know. We know what we know inside. We just need to trust it. 
and act on it. And again, we've talked about this before. Oftentimes, it takes not paying attention to this intuition that really gets our attention. So it's best to act on what we know and make those strong decisions. And frequencies like this have really helped us align to it and become more aware of these subtle bodies. Beautiful. Okay, uh, there is a question coming in. Randy says, I experienced the Merkaba a few ways. What's the meaning of how sometimes the pyramid shapes spin opposite and sometimes they spin the same? He says, I travel with it as they were opposite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that that's a unique uh, concept, and uh, I learned um, or experienced some of that through um, Drumbalo Melchizedek's classes a few years back, where he had created the Flower of Life class, which I think uh, many people were familiar with, or the books. And there's a Merkaba meditation where you visualize the star tetrahedron around your body, and then spin it. And uh, in that particular meditation, uh, imagining this three-dimensional, um, you know, star tetrahedron around you, you spin it in, there's actually three star tetrahedrons superimposed on each other. So one of them will spin clockwise, and you spin that with your breath. Then you spin the other whole unit, which is sort of superimposed on top of it, counterclockwise. And then there's a third Merkaba that, that's uh, superimposed on all of that, uh, that's actually just stationary, uh, dynamically stationary. So in a sense, you stay balanced, um, and you, the spinning, whenever you spin something, so you could go from something that's two-dimensional, like a, let's say a, a star of David, to something three-dimensional, which would be the star tetrahedron. And then finally, that three-dimensional object could start spinning, whether it be clockwise or counterclockwise or, you know, whatever degree. But every step of that, you're becoming more multidimensional. And every step of that, meaning if you went from two dimensions to three dimensions to movement, uh, if it's around your subtle bodies and in your consciousness, you'll be able to travel more easily in the inner world. Basically, if you were practicing out-of-body techniques, you'd be able to go out-of-body or do journeying and shamanic journeying much easier. So these are just some principles maybe for... Um, I didn't catch his name again. Um, Randy. Of the Randy, what Randy mm-hmm. was bringing up. So you could, um, in your kind of experimentation or play with these different principles, just take that into consideration. Um, if you do the mm-hmm. spin in both directions, it might be a more balanced um, experience or journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. All right. Well, thank you, Jean. This has just been wonderful. I know we are still feeling these energies as well and feeling the downloads that are coming to be unpacked. So as we say goodbye today, would you like to close with anything or or prepare us for what we can do as we continue to integrate these energies? Yeah, well, I think in the, the, you know, we've had a sort of a short exposure to the Arcturian Merkaba um, transmission frequencies and then the intergalactic frequencies. Uh, and I'm still unpacking fully the intergalactic uh, transmissions and inner connections. So maybe in the future, maybe in this next online healing retreat, 
uh, I'll be able to talk more about that. I find that the just here now, the Arcturian uh, frequencies, because it comes from a healing intention, uh, there is a gentleness, I think, and a, a receptivity uh, when people, if people get, you know, um, partake in that. I think with say, if you didn't really know what your mission is, um, for example, on that just particular issue or that was still coming online, the frequencies would help to nurture you to that state and then move you forward in the process of, you know, receiving these different bodies. What I found with the Melchizedek transmissions particularly and also this intergalactic frequencies as it unpacks and maybe there'll be some form of a, I don't know, some healing form or frequency of that. Uh, right now is just exposures that those level of beings almost, you know, it's hard to say it this way, but it's almost like there's a, um, I don't know if it's like the difference between being in like your, uh, like a college um, class and then going into a graduate class. Like there's some certain level of expectation already um, thought of that's already in the um, consciousness or energy field. So I'll have to unpack that a little bit more, but as people maybe play, replay the intergalactic frequencies, they may also experience a sense of um, deepening of, of their process and what they're already doing, or if they've already been on the path for a while, I think there's a lot to explore with that and taking you to another level. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for this beautiful transmission today with those two frequencies, the Arcturian Merkaba and the intergalactic frequency, two very distinct frequencies. And again, even as you were speaking there, Gene, I could still feel that pulsing of the intergalactic frequency. And it is very empowering for all of us, especially at this time, to really do this uh, interconnection so that we can decode this information. So, Gene, thank you. We look forward to seeing you on the next online healing retreat coming up shortly. Again, that's available on this webpage. Links to that and your special offer. So, thank you, Gene. Again, this was magnificent. Thank you so much for this quantum conversation. Great, Lauren. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone. It was a pleasure to be connected today with you. Thanks. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Now it is time to dance our way to the cosmic heart and to allow us to continue to unpack these energies. Let's listen to soft, nice music from Peter Sterling.
you for listening and thank you for dancing with us in our collective intentions as they go across the universe to the cosmic heart. I'd like to thank my wonderful team at AcousticHealth.com, Heidi, Tony, Tom, Pam, Suzanne, and Garner, who assist with the production of Quantum Conversations, online healing retreats, and more. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends and loved ones. And we thank you for shining your magnificent light and adding it to the world. This is when we love ourselves like no one else can. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Namaste.